Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our expectation series where we look at one offensive and one defensive player with a local analyst. In this case, a New York analyst because that's where Dev Panchois lives now. Dev, how you doing? I'm good, Ken. Thanks for teeing it up that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not used to the New York part, uh, but uh, it's very true. I'm not local anymore. Miss the area very much. Miss seeing you at times. We had some in-studio uh, opportunities, mm-hmm. but... That, that, that being said, this is a nice um, substitute. So thanks for making time for this. Yeah, this is since the since COVID, it's like this is an in-studio appearance for us is whenever we get to go face to face like this. And uh, we have that available to us, even though you folks out there can't see it. Even when you're watching YouTube, you will only get a audio recording. Two players today, a couple good ones that we want to talk about. Zay Flowers, uh, newly drafted wide receiver and Trayvon Mullen. Uh, kind of a retread that the Ravens have picked up off the scrap heap. We'll talk a little bit about him, but let's start with Zay Flowers, the the Ravens' number one draft pick. So, Dev, how were you know when you saw him, his name come up on draft night? What were you thinking? Uh, 
it was I was ecstatic. I, it, I didn't make uh, or I, I didn't um, hide my my happiness for the pick. I think a week prior or so, I'm gonna say a week or two prior. Well, no, a week prior, I had a tweet on my Twitter account, something along the lines of who do I think the Ravens will take and who do I want the Ravens to take? And I think I predicted that they would take um, the corner from Maryland. And I don't know why I'm blanking on his name just off the top of my head, but yeah. Um, but then Zay was the guy I wanted them to take. So uh, for me, it was the right, this is a guy I've been trumpeting since um, early in the, in the, um, off season as far as the draft season is concerned or the, the prior to the draft. And normally, Ken, I, I do read up and do research and all these things, prepare for the draft a lot more than I have. Uh, this year, I didn't do as much work, but Zay is one of the few guys that I actually paid attention to. And I love his game. So, so yeah, I, I was ecstatic when they announced him for the Ravens. I'm sorry. We have had our typical one mute error per show that comes up. But uh, yeah, I was excited about the Flowers pick as well after it happened. And that was kind of muted, just like my volume was there for, for a moment because the guy I really wanted was Emmanuel Forbes. And he was, of course, taken number 16 yeah. by Washington. Sure. Fantastic corner, just a you know the, a new Marcus Peters to, to bring onto the scene at a very weak position. And the Ravens went out and they got Flowers. I've warmed even more to the pick since that night because I think that, Bateman's injury is apparently, you know, still in progress and, uh, and they may not have him for the start of the season. And Flowers is exactly what they need in terms of taking the top off the defense for a team that relies heavily on tight ends and an older receiver like Beckham. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, as far as the injury protection, at the time, I didn't um, really, uh, it wasn't as much of a concern for, for, the, for the sake of it. And I, Banks was the corner I was, I was blanking on. I'm like, well, how did I blank on Banks? But yeah, um, I just love Flowers' game. And I think more than anything, Ken, uh, I look at receivers in the past. I've always tried to um, kind of project how they might fit with the Ravens in terms of their on-the-field ability. I just love his mentality. Mm -hmm. I love the edge, the juice he plays with, and the energy, I think, is unique uh, to who they've had in the past, uh, you know, give or take, right? I think that it's not it's not been a favorable spot for receivers let's be honest like so he, the fact that he invited and welcomed and, and and i think genuinely after the fact had said how much he wanted to play here with lamar um so those things came out after the fact but before that he, he's a guy that plays with an edge he's physical he'll go get the football he, his size really um isn't a factor for the way he plays the game so those things really drew me in pre-draft and i just thought his fit, his mentality is what they needed. Um, the interesting thing, though, is I thought he would be gone before that pick. I, I really had – I think there was some rumors or uh, projections to the Patriots that I think it was the 12th pick, uh, even as high as the 12th pick, which really surprised me. I didn't think he would be the first receiver taken, um, I think. So that was one one team that I thought could swoop in on him. Uh, and then, you know, and then you look at the Chargers. I thought that could be a, a natural fit. Right, even right before the Ravens pick. Mm -hmm. uh, so to your point, though, it is an underrated element that Bateman and with his injury progress or his recovery and Beckham's history. Um, yeah, with Beckham's history, with Aguilar's history, there's there's not there's not a whole lot of you know guaranteed health in that group, certainly given the age and, and whatnot. 
Um, but more than that, Flowers is not really a replacement for Bateman one for one. You know, Flowers I'd see as more of a more of a Z um, and not a, an X. In fact, the Ravens don't have really another pure X. They may put Aguilar there or they may put um, uh, OBJ there for some snaps. But they don't really have another guy who's who's a you know a quality X receiver that they would they would like to put up there that mat- really matches up well size wise. They're going to have to find ways for him to release off the line of scrimmage. I think that's going to be one of the keys in terms of of, of how they use him. But uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I think everybody is struck by is his suddenness as an athlete. Remarkable, um, you know, uh, ability to stop on a dime. To me. And this is exciting news. This is good news. This is not bad news. I'll get to that in a moment. I don't think he's as good a route runner as he is, nearly as he is, as a sudden um, athlete. Mm-hmm. The, the nuances of the route running. Yeah, I could I could see that. And maybe I know he was in a not very sophisticated offense to start mm-hmm. with, right? So let's – and the quarterback play was abysmal. And so those are contribute. Those could be contributing elements to why he's not quite there. Um, like for example, Bateman, I thought when he, when they drafted him, exceptionally polished uh, route runner. He was already a craftsman. He understood how to not only get off the release, but he read where the spacing was. He would be able to adjust to the bodies on the field with, from a leverage perspective. So. I can I can kind of see what you're saying. He he stop start is is I the only person that came to my head uh, was was Derek Mason, a younger Derek Mason, kind yeah. of like just in and out of his cuts. That's a good one. I mean, I, I the analogy I'm going to make is a little different because you're, you're right. The spacing, you know, adapting the bodies, finding that spot on the field, that's all very important, by the way. And you know, bodying up against a player is important if if a player like flowers really were in a position to do that flowers is going to mostly live off the separation he can get at the top of the stem in the nfl nfl cornerbacks are of course pretty crafty at reading the leverage of the receiver and being able to figure out what's going on mirroring effectively much better than college corners do what flowers hopefully will learn and you know seeing him work with lamar and beckham right off the bat is just great news for this is Mm -hmm throwing the wiggle wiggle and reading the leverage at the top of the stem. Cause I think, you know, if he can get away with somebody with just a quick whip move where he might be able to do that off the, out of the slot. And there's very few people who can keep up with that anyway, even for, you know, receivers who are more sudden than they are fast, uh, you know, Wes Walker or somebody like that, you, you might think back to, but in, in flowers case, he's more like a Dafa Yoe or other great pass rushers. And maybe, maybe don't put away in this category because the get off is not at the right point, but the, the, the receiver is going to react to his first movement. Sorry, the receiver, the corner is going to react to his first movement and overreact to it in such a yeah. way that I think he's going to be a, an, a, just a very natural, uh, naturally able to set up these corners and get separation. That's much more than we've seen from a lot before. The yep. guy, you know, if you go back, go back in years, Torrey Smith, maybe a guy who he could pair with in terms of, of ability at the top of the route. It's good. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's interesting. I think Torrey, Torrey did a good job. And um, I, I'm trying to think of like what, to your point, as far as the fact that he's already got a built-in, uh, he's already got a built-in weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the way the corners are going to play him based on his speed. Mm-hmm. and his ability so that that speed is already a built 
built-in uh, weapon and for him to get free just off of that to, to but then incorporate like you said that second move um odell beckham's an interesting guy even to emulate i think uh although he's not we don't think of him necessarily as that um traditional speed guy uh i think yeah. he has explosive he does a really good job of setting corners up setting up the def- defensive uh player he's going up against very well he's very crafty and he's he's evolved into more of a possession guy so i think yeah, just working with a guy like that, having him uh, tutor you or, or mentor you, I think. Um, but but to your point, this is a special ability physically um, that he already brings to the table. And if he can learn even enough, right, um, to develop the route running just enough, yeah. the sky's the limit because he's got all the physical ability anyway. It, it's almost unfortunate that Beckham came into the league making the kind of iconic one-handed catch that he did. And, and people remember that about his rookie year. But the thing about Beckham when he was drafted is he was by far the best route runner that cat a class. And in fact, in the last decade in the NFL, I don't think there are five guys who are legitimately better route runners. Now I'm actually a little bit down on Beckham for the season in terms of what I think his production will be because he's coming off the injury and my center of gravity on where I think he'll end up with in terms of yards and touchdowns and whatnot is, is lower than what other people tend to think. But I do think he can have a tremendous positive impact on Flowers because the things he can't do anymore in terms of setting up a receiver, mm-hmm. he can probably teach Zay to do. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost as if um, he's got this mold of clay you can kind of look look at and say, all right, well, here's incorporating this sudden jab step or doing this and that, right? Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is is that I think he, I, I think on the surface at least, uh, Zay's in a good environment because you have a Beckham who really is, as you said, one of the most proficient route runners still in the game, mm-hmm. uh, I think. And But then you've got a guy like Bateman who come, coming out of college really understood. He had a lot of to- tools in the toolbox for his release. And I think, again, I'm not in the building, so I don't know, but Keith Williams is really a strong coach when it comes to those things, right? Yes. The technique, the technical element. And I think he helped shore up Bateman's release a little bit. There was an issue, I think, with him putting his back foot, I think, too far back on his release. So those those little nuances, it's like having all of those pieces at play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a great place for, for Zay to be. Yeah, that That's a great point you make about Williams because he's extremely technical. So when the two... Uh, Martin and Williams both had the, the the joint passing game coordinator and receivers coach role. One of the things that that was is that that was the way they would practice is Martin would be at the line of scrimmage watching the release, and Williams would be downfield watching the top of the step. Mm, and he would be very technical. The way Dallas Sanders is with the offensive line in terms of stick your foot in the ground there, stick hard, stick hard and go. You know, he'd be he'd be he'd be very specific and technical in terms of his coaching. And I just I, I love to see that. Um, and sometimes you really hear it on the field because a coach is is loud. Uh, you know, Jerry Rosberg certainly a very loud coach in terms of of, of really hearing what's going on, on the field. Other other times you don't really hear it as much because they're on a massive humanity that's out there. You got fans behind you who are making noise, and it's harder to hear exactly what the coach is saying. But in Williams' case, you could really hear it, and and it was very encouraging. That's right, Ken. You were there, so I, I totally blanked on that part. But that's great. Uh, really nice context, and um, just something that popped in my head too. Speaking of Williams, right, because he Mm -hmm. has a really strong resume of guys he's worked with. One of the guys is Tyreek Hill. If you think of Tyreek Hill 
coming out of college, right? Incredibly explosive and has all those again the the the, the speed, acceleration, all that is phenomenal. But if you think about Tyreek's game coming out as a pure route runner and having to kind of little work on probably those nuances, but work on some of those technical details. And I think that that's something that Keith Williams helped him do as well. And the same thing with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is now one of the best route runners in the game, if not the best route runner in the game. So I, I think you look at it and you marry the physical ability, you get them to work on cleaning some things up things that we just don't see with our with our eyes at all. Uh, but to your point, maybe Zay is so so incredibly like a jitter like a like a water bug, right? Like he's so quick in that short area that he can just win anytime he wants. In the NFL mm-hmm. it's going to be a different ball game. You got you got better corners, of course, better competition, smaller windows, tighter windows, and the ability to win off the line is extremely difficult. So yeah, you he's going to need that. It can't just be based on his incredible physical gifts alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that showed up in his last year in college is that he was more effective versus zone than man. And that would um, speak to route running at the top of the stem being not imperfect, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, obviously the guys got the tools. I don't think we need to continue to beat this point to death, but um, I think it's a great thing that there's room for improvement in his game of this type. Um, He wasn't fantastic statistically at the end of his college career. You see some of those Alabama receivers, Jamar Chase and players like that, and they could be up near 15 yards per carry. I think JSN might have been uh, a really big number a year ago, not this last year, but the year before. So anyway, um, Flowers in his final year at Boston College, and again, abysmal quarterback play, but 8.7 yards per target. Not exactly what you want. Um, 62.9% catch rate. And the catch rate I mentioned because he had a lot of short opportunities. So there was a lot of bubble screens run to him. There was some pitch on motion kind of plays, which end up being receptions. And they every one of those better be a reception because if it's not, you know, it, it probably is going to end up being a fumble. Uh, sure. So anyway, you, 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 you really expect a higher catch rate than that with a player who has a very extreme barbell of, a lot of short throws and some longer throws as well, and uh, and he did not he did didn't work out particularly well in his favor in terms of the yards per target relative to that target distance. That's interesting. Yeah, and I know his hands are one of the things that he could work on, like one of his shortcomings. I don't, uh, and it would have to be you know leaning on all this film that I haven't quite frankly watched at Boston college, but if it's, is it a concentration issue or was it just, he doesn't have the hands. I think if he could, you know, and so you look at that and and you kind of hope that it's concentration issue more than anything. Was he just trying to get up speed uh, upfield quickly? Was he trying to do too much for his Mm -hmm. team because they had no other, you know, again, we get back to the offense or the quarterback, the quarterback play, I think affects the vertical game for sure. Mm -hmm. I know that, um, there were some lost opportunities just based on bad balls being thrown. So um, that is something that, that, you know, again, the system, the the circumstance of could affect those things. You know, I think you've worked, what, what you, what you like is he worked through it, never complained, um, played and and was devoted to the team. Uh, So those are things I like, Um, but good points. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, overall, like if you look at it and, 
what could be something that he needs to work on in his game. The other thing that is the, the analogy is right there on the Ravens is Mark Andrews. He's got a little Mark Andrewsitis in terms of being over target shared. So for his three years at Boston College, he had 20.1% of the targets, 23.4 and 23.8. Mark Andrews was at, I think, 24.4 last year. We just did the, the two players on Mark Andrews, so I just happened to, to, to know it. I've been kind of soapboxing that I think the best thing for Mark Andrews is a reduced target share and, a, and obviously a more spread offense that keeps you know 90% of his real high-value targets, but kills off 70% of his bailout and contested catch opportunities. So hopefully Lamar has other players he can throw to under contested catch situations, other first and second reads. And that'll also be helped tremendously if there is a wide receiver who truly draws safety attention. Uh, that's going to that's gonna improve Andrew's chance not to get doubled, not to create interception um, opportunities for the opponent's when Lamar throws to Andrews late. Yeah, that's actually so interesting that you bring that up because a few weeks ago I was thinking about Andrews's ability to get a lot less coverage attention in general. And he is, and to, to the credit of how good he is, I mean, it kind of is akin to the Flacco factor with Bolden, right? Like he's going to throw the ball, Lamar is going to throw the ball to Andrews in, in those contested situations because he's come through so many times. And he probably will come through, but it is, it, you don't want an over reliance on that. Um, and so, I do, with, the, with, with, with what you said, um, just thinking through, I know these these are little guys or smaller guys, but again, I get back to Beckham. He's kind of he's kind of evolved his game, so he is more of a possession receiver now. Um, if you look at what he did with the Rams, there was a lot of contested catch elements, not necessarily like going up. Um, you know, down the field, but there were situations where he had to catch the ball in traffic, where he had to almost like a power forward position himself in front. Yep. And he came through for Stafford on third down in, in those circumstances. He leaned on um, Beckham in those circumstances. And you look at um, Zay and surprise, and if you look at Zay's game, um, again, we he will fight for the football. So if you put it up, he will go get the football. And that's the Steve Smith factor. Um, Steve Smith himself has said that, mm-hmm. so he reminds him the most of himself. But um, <laughs> it, it's it's yeah, those guys can actually I think take off some of the pressure for Andrews for the contested catches, and then you have likely on the other side who can do some of that, and we saw some of that last year. So Mark Andrews has had effectively the same quarterback for five years now. Admittedly, he did have some of Flacco in 2018, his rookie year when he, when he had a terrific year. But I just want to read the quarterback ratings for 18 to 22. When they threw to him in 2018, 120.5. When they threw to him in 2019, great year again, 108.3. 2020, 99.3. 2021, 95.0. Nine interceptions, by the way, that year throwing to him. And last year, 88.9. Now, there's a combination of things going on. There's some Tyler Huntley in there who obviously is not as good, but there's also a lot of um Andrews having to make bailout catches with multiple players either draped over him or in the area you know being predatory in terms of their their looking for interceptions so it's just it's not a good situation when you have those kind of target concentrations and if if it were occur organically I think I think he could actually have more targets because Flowers is peeling off 
uh, coverage and because Monken increases the play count dramatically on offense, both the pass right. count and the play count, both. So yeah. I think it's possible, but but I think the key thing is getting rid of his target share, reducing his target share, so there's fewer of these real marginal plays. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think I know you put it a lot into um, the number, the, the the data side of it being that you know what what's the value of throwing to Mark Andrews, right? Like that's an assessment you can make. Like obviously he's their best. Uh, yeah, not going into this year, he's been their best receiver in any way, shape, or form. However, like to your point, what the, the the negative of that is the amount of attention the defense can give, and the fact that these other guys on the other side just aren't going to come through. Um, now, I think with all the other options that Monken will have, um, I fully expect I fully expect that you're going to get more value from Andrews in different ways, and I think that there will be an opportunity to keep defenses on their heels more. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a big part. Like you can't necessarily, you could key in on Andrews and you should key in on Andrews because if I was the week one, I mean, you're looking at the Texans and the Bengals in week two, you should still key in on Andrews because that's Lamar's guy until proven otherwise. Is he going to go to his other targets? Um, however, you know, I, I think the what, if Lamar gets comfortable with everyone else and he, he gets acclimated to the offense pretty quickly, um, he's going to tear te- teams up. <laughs> Um, I think in no time that are keying in on Andrews too, too much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Completely agree. Um, okay. So, you know, one of the things we saw about from, from flowers at, at Boston college was uh, big yak plays, a lot of that coming back for the ball. Now, one of the models potentially for his rookie season might be Marquise Brown and, and what he did with the Ravens. I think flowers is a, it fights for yardage after the catch a lot more. And, and it comes in multiple ways. I mean, obviously Brown went down a lot and was really very conscious about injuries and, and, uh, and taking hits, but flowers also comes back aggressively for the football and then looks to U-turn um, and make plays. And I think we're going to see a, a, a player, I believe who is going to be much more aggressive at trying to pile up yak. Yeah, Absolutely. That's the that's one of the elements that I looked at and I said the Ravens need this in their offense. In space, the ability to be an artist almost like creatively, right? Like, you know, going uh, horizontal, making cuts and taking chances. They don't have they didn't have anybody on their their in that group that could do that. Duvernay was very good and has been good as that orbit or, you know, like the um, jet sweep guy and he gets yeah. the ball and he gets up field and they run some stuff for him but it's all it's all straight line so i think with flowers it's an improvisation ability that is so unique and the only guys i can think of i'm not saying that you know that, that he's there yet because they're the best of the best but like jalen waddles or those types you look at what miami does with those types of receivers and hill i talked about but like their unique ability to just turn a two yard play, as you said, into 20 or 30 and immediately um, puts the defense in a bind. So I think to compare him to Brown, that is, and that comparison has been made by quite a bit of folks, um, I think in in the Ravens flock community or or just kind of look between the fans and, and, uh, and writers, et cetera. And yeah, he invites that, that ability, right. To break tackles and to gain yards after contact. Whereas Brown would, at times you'd go to the sideline, he would dive and take a dive. So um, 
I, I I agree. It's a it's a missing element. It's also something that I think Monken has kind of alluded to is yeah. that it's a big part of his offense. That space guy, and that's also why Ken I I thought Flowers was such a good like if they had were able to draft him, I thought that was a missing piece for sure because of what he offers in space and what Monken could scheme for him and just put the ball in his hand um, and, and let him loose. You got you got two people who are going to be obviously there's more people than that, but but going to be incredibly important in making sure he has a fine rookie year. But you start with Lamar Jackson being a much better quarterback than he had at, at BC, so that's that's going to be a very good for him, obviously, no matter yeah. what. But <laughs> Slide upgrade, yes. But the but the other thing is Munkin, and and I just think he's going to be he's going to make much more transformative use and. I don't even know who the Boston College offensive coordinator was, but you know he didn't. He obviously didn't have a lot to work with at quarterback, so there were limitations on on what he could do. And then he he didn't have a tremendous amount of talent there um, in, in terms of the of the receiving room, but he did have Zay, and that was a you know a, obviously a a weapon that he continually went with to such a degree mm-hmm. that I think there was there was a a a, a diminishing return on his incremental targets and he had an awful lot all right anything anything else you want to say about zay before we move on to what's a good and a great season i just think and we we're going to get to probably some of it in the good and great part so i'll I'll save that but to me um what i really I, i i applaud the team by the way just for for going for him it would have been safer i think to go in the directions we talked about before, like defensive back, cornerback, there were some good talent still on the left on the board um, at that point. And I, I liked that they kind of looked at this and said, let's just amplify an area that we don't have quite. And, and even if, and I know there was some discussion about the number of slot receivers in this draft and how mm-hmm. there wasn't, you know, that standout do everything alpha necessarily. Uh, like you said, the X and the Y. Uh, but I think, Ultimately, just his element, the explosiveness that he brings is so it's so tremendous. I think um, it's going to pay off. And then hopefully, you know, he, he has the opportunity here also with a couple of veterans in front of him, including Aguilar, who I think is going to be a lot more involved in this offense and, and be leaned on than I think some fans are giving credit for. But he's got a great infrastructure. To, he doesn't have to have, have to shoulder the load or be great immediately. So I think that's going to help him, too, from a developmental perspective. All right. I got one other thing to say that it's not going to show up in the good or great. So I thought I probably will go to it this year is that he has a punt return background. And I think he's honestly going to be too valuable to be used in this role. But some of the like complete lack of regard for the punt return rules remind me of Ed Reed. I mean, (laughs) so he's (laughs) he fielded one punt at the Rutgers two yard line. First of all, you know, the old John Madden thing, if it goes beyond the eight yard line, stand on the eight yard line, it goes over your head, let it go. And, right. and you know, there's a good chance it'll go into the end zone. So he had his own rules for his people. Uh, but the, the, the punt that he did field at the two, he returned at 38 yards. And that was all after a roughing the kicker flag had already been thrown on his team. <laughs> so you know, a so- lot of bad things could have happened. <laughs> so I don't really see him in that role, but we probably see get to see him at some point this summer out there, you know, Feeling some, yeah. Feeling some kicks and punts, yeah. Good anecdote, and uh, well, again, his game lends to that, so it makes sense. If he is a punt returner kind of guy, um, but I'm sure it's a good backup option uh, if they need to go to that well with Duvernay, who is 
terrific, but had some flubs towards the end of the year, some weird uh, decision making. I think he'll still be fine, but you know he is in the contract year, so I think that's a nice. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that, that's smart on their part. They probably scoped that out and know that they have a backup option. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end a pinch, they, like the Ed Reed factor. <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. we need a home run. Go get, go get one. That could be. Yeah, that that really could be. With I mean, Duvernay is that kind of a player as well. Sure. I think so. Yeah. So I don't. I wouldn't say that that's a bad thing. You know, Duvernay and. Um, and flowers have one other thing that is that is that is a potential area of overlap that I think it's really good that they have both, and that is that they, there'd be a temptation to use both for gadget plays, because I mean Duvernay did last year. I mean he won the Cincinnati game in a lot of ways for that for the Ravens by playing all over the field in the backfield, you know, jet motion, running the yeah. ball, t- catching the ball. He had great hands for the year. I mean, he had really good catch rate. He had he had a uh, really low drop rate. He's really pretty much the only Ravens receiver with a low drop rate. Aguilar's one of the worst in recent NFL history. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. It's yeah. more of a technicality <laughs> at that <Yeah>. point. <laughs> um, and then a uh, bunch of other play. But Beckham is 50 percent higher, I think, than the league average. So you know, other there's other players who were uh, who were about likely was quite bad. He was about the second worst of all tight ends. And it's, it's almost like the Ravens don't even care if these guys have hands at all, but Bateman, big yeah. problem with drops. So, <laughs> sure. so hopefully flowers will come in and that won't be a central issue that we'll look at, but it certainly was with Marquise Brown and he had, he had issues with it as well. So it's, he could still be effective, obviously, even if he does, but here's the, here's the point I wanted to make about the Duvernay flowers um, offset is that, I think Flowers is terrifically important to this offense as a lid lifter. And it's, I think mm-hmm. you want a lot of his route decisions, route options, you know, the, the what he is trying to show to the opposing guy more than what he's designed, the, what the play is designed for, sure. are short, long um, deals or, you know, deep over and long or, you know, multiple dig and long. All of the, um, uh, you know, possibilities that basically include the possibility of a long route being included a nine, a post, a, you know, a, a deep over, whatever it might be, that would require safety help. The more that there are of those, the better. Well, how does that play into Duvernay? You, if, as long as you have another guy who can run your gadget plays and stretch the field horizontally, that's going to make a player like Zay more effective, but it's also going to make a player like Andrews more effective within that grouping because he gets he gets the help in terms of the horizontal spacing and the help in terms of the vertical spacing. And you don't have to use the same player because you can't to do both things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because Duvernay uh, can be the decoy underneath and he can he can slide the defense left or right. And then you have the vertical ability as well to, to take the safeties off or, or occupy the safeties. And uh, which is so interesting because that is one of the things I, I had to t- I had to tell myself almost and remind myself that Zay is a b- his ability vertically to to attack a defense right because he has so many some of his uh, most prominent highlight reels are full of hor- horizontal routes in which he's killing the defense underneath just on a short cross or something like that right and he just and he can and he's got that incredible horizontal ability but also the vertical ability which is and it could come down to what's more uh, important right now because I think Duvernay has never really fully proven as a vertical uh, guy despite the speed. He has pure speed, but um, if you look at uh, his vertical uh, success, it's not necessarily there. If you look at 
the, the other two, Bateman and, and Beckham, um, I don't think Beckham's quite that guy anymore. And then Bateman has some ability. Aguilar actually has the ability. It's just that, like, to your point, he, he's also a guy you don't want to rely on. Um, so right. it could come down to that and, and just having enough guys that vertically can threaten the defense. And maybe, and if it, it is, that's where Flowers' value is most. Um, they may just have to go with that. It's going to be an interesting decision, though, for the coaches in Moncton, I, I think. Yeah, and they don't, they, I guess they don't have to do it the same way on every play. You can have Duvernay run a deep route as well. But one of the issues with sure. Duvernay, I think you're right about as being a separating deep receiver, he has more trouble. Um, it's it's at the top of the stem where that problem is. He just doesn't have that great wiggle to throw the defensive yeah. back off. And and even though his speed, I think, is probably every bit as good, might even be slightly faster in terms of 40 time at the combine, doesn't matter yep. that much anymore than, than Flowers. Uh, he just doesn't have that suddenness as an athlete. That's exactly uh, it, Ken. He's yeah. never had it. Um, I I kind of try to tell myself he could develop that here, and it's just one of those things. His physical game doesn't lend to it. It's um, He's more of a straight-line guy, and that's mm-hmm. why he does well um, on returns, right? There's one, one or two cuts, and he's able to go. And he can bowl people over. He just can't get in and out of cuts the way that a guy like Flowers can. And again, that gets back to – that's what they needed. So um, I think they complement each other pretty well, actually, if anything. And if one of them gets hurt or something to that effect, the other can pick up some of those uh, same, um, they can pick up some of the same role. All right, well, let's move on and talk about what's a good season for this rookie season from Zay Flowers. So a good season is like, to me, I, I'm so conservative when it comes to rookies. That's okay. So, so I feel as though even if you get him involved in the offense, um, uh, I'm not I'm not great with it right now off the top of my head with like snap counts. But basically, let's just say he plays a full season, he's involved in the offense, he plays a certain percentage of snaps, um, and I think he makes enough impact plays. Um, he's able to stay healthy. I'm giving him a very low bar just because I, I think that it's hard to, given also that there are other p- veterans in front of them, right? In front of him. And you have Andrews, and you have Likely, and you have Lamar, who's his own weapon. So you have so many people, right? I think even if you can see progress from him and he plays and he's um, an active participant, to me, that's a good season, I would say. Okay, that is a really low bar. I, I, and Very and low. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying that that you're wrong by any stretch. I, 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 you tried to set it at the 60th percentile. Here's what I thought: it plays 14 plus games in a season that's similar to Marquise Brown as a rookie. Now remember, Marquise was injured as a rookie, so he lost a, a fair amount of target share out of that. With lots of deep shots sprinkled in, gravitational pull on the safeties that makes others better underneath. So he doesn't have to make all the catches himself. He just has to be drawing safeties off of Mark Andrews, off of Beckham, off of likely creating space in the middle of the field where others can make use of it. In the, in this, in the good one, I had gadget usage helps keep opposing defenses honest horizontally as well. I think there will be some gadget use at a minimum for him. I don't think that it'll be all one way or the other with him or Duvernay. And even when you, when There'd be times when Duvernay isn't even on the field, obviously, and then um, you know he'd be the only one who would, who, who, or he'd be a likely one to do it. There's actually a couple more players on the Ravens, Justice Hill and um, Keaton Mitchell, who I think mm-hmm. would be outstanding, you know, players if they really 
if if Monken finds a larger gadget role for them. I can see that. Mitchell's really fast today. Yeah. I just found that out a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like the fastest guy on the team. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, it's ridiculous speed. So um but sorry, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh so so the rest of this is um I'd expect his own stats to be good, but not incredible. So I'd say 45 catches, about 600 yards. So that's about 13.3 yards per catch, I'm saying, and 8 to 8.5 yards per target. But that's not an extraordinary number. That's really where Brown was as a rookie. But the big thing is that the overall passing offense will take a big step forward in terms of per play efficiency. And I think some of that will be Monken, but some of it also will be the tools Monken has in, in the box with, with Flowers being probably the most significant game changer of the group. Sure. Yeah. No, I could totally see that um, and have an interesting pivot on on your point <laughs> when we get to the great talk. Great season. Go ahead. Your turn. Well, it's not it's, in a lot of ways what you said for good. I just have for great. So, yeah. um, but it, I mean, I'm not going to steal your thunder, but more or less we see the same thing. But um, yeah, I think 600 yards or so, and I see if he can make if if he can be involved in even four or five plays a game that help either to open up for someone else or he himself makes a big play. Right. So to me, that's going to be, that's also the thing that makes him so cool to, to, I think, evaluate every, every week, because I don't think he's the type of guy that has to have like five catches for 80 yards to be effective. I think to get the ball in his hands somehow, whether it's a handoff, whether it's um, like you said, these, there's a number of ways to get him involved. That's number one. Number two is what does he do to help the other guys get open uh, his influence on the field. And so there's, and then I guess you could kind of crunch down on some of the numbers here and there per like every couple of games. Is he able to give you a touchdown? Is he able to give you a big place? So I'm kind of like in this place where just given who he is, I think he doesn't have to necessarily touch the ball a lot to make an impact, which is very, very cool, but also hard to assess his value. But I think that's where I'm at like 600 yards, and he's able to make an influence about three to four plays a game. Uh, the Brown comparison is interesting, and I could I could see that from a numbers perspective. If they, um, my only thing with that is if they are indeed passing the ball a lot more, which I think we all think they will. Mm-hmm. And also, how do these tight ends get you know incorporated into that number? So it's a little bit different, to, and it's harder to pinpoint. But you and I are on the same page, basically. To me, that would be a great season for him if he's able to even do that. And I think. One thing I'll, I'll throw as a caveat, if we get closer to the postseason and he keeps stacking his influence on the offense, and what does he do at that turn, right? Like he, he to me, is only going to get better. So I think that could also come up. Okay, so this is literally you're probably the first person. There's a lot of a lot of analysts where I've been almost in lockstep. It's like literally they say it and, and I, I, I read my thing verbatim and it's exactly the same. <laughs> this is not the case with you. You have a lower bar and I think you're about the only one who's done that of everybody I've talked to. So first of all, I really appreciate that because once in a while I like to be the optimistic guy and not the Mr. Negative guy. And, and that's good. But I do have a do have a better comp for him in terms of his rookie season. I think his, his uh, in terms of his great season rather. Um, I think a great season, he plays 16 plus games. So I'm saying there's a 20% chance that he plays 16 plus games or maybe slightly higher than that because he could play 16 plus and not meet other standards of the great sure. category. Yeah. But his rookie year looks more like Torrey Smith, 2011. So 
50 catches, a yards per target of 8.5 to 9.5. I think Torrey was about 8.9 as a rookie, but he, he had a fairly low catch percentage and something like 16 yards per target. Nothing not he has to get all of that. Mm-hmm. Seven plus TDs, and he becomes one of the key players, if not the key player, opposing defenses have to game plan against. And I think that will do so much for the Ravens if that ends up being true. Because obviously when you game plan against a, a, a wide receiver, the thing you're game planning with is your safety help. And that's exactly yeah. what we're saying we need to get from him is safety help or or perhaps – means you know the only way to contain him is to basically play zone and allow him to have his catches but minimize the impact of, sure. of yak and whatnot but it, whatever whatever reason they end up game planning for him i don't see how it could be bad for the ravens that was the ab treatment is basically keep him harnessed right yeah. and the ravens did a very good job of that actually the way they played him they, they tackled him they made sure to tackle him to corral him so you're right and but what does that do for everyone else how does that open up opportunities elsewhere i got a little more in terms of great side i i sorry i want to keep go back this in a second so as the season wears on he's too valuable to be used as a gadget player and that role goes to another player duvernay mitchell hill whoever it might be and his targets gravitate to longer a dots i think that's that is a very big key if we see a big a dot from him he's used primarily as a deep threat or it's you know as i said you know the mason is the ideal comp in raven's history because he was he, he ran a lot of hitch routes, but he but he could make that uh, corner pay with an occasional go route or a stop and go um, that sure. would be very painful. And remember the Tennessee playoff game; he scored that first touchdown. Is exactly that sort of a sort mm-hmm. of a situation. Um, I think the other thing is that his success makes any period without Bateman manageable, and that's also why I'm very bullish on him. Is that I think we're going to not see a full season out of Bateman. And unfortunately, I think that's going to mean that the the microscope and the the game planning is going to be largely um, on Flowers' shoulders. That's an interesting point, and that's also something as far as where I was projecting him to be more uh, conservative slash lower bar. I also think because of what because of who is in front of him, but it could very well turn out the way you're saying. Right? There's a history that suggests that Bateman will not play through the season. There's a history that suggests OBJ might not uh, play through. Um, so those are things to consider for sure. I agree. Aguilar is interestingly the exception to the rule, I think, because he's been... American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done healthy and i think that's one of the reasons why when they did sign him i was one of the few that was like i think this is a pretty good move after my initial hate for it like the day <laughs> i could see i could see this yeah. so 
The sixth yeah. round, the sixth round comp pick lost, and you you froze there for a second. But I wondered if that was part of the, the hate for it. That's definitely part of my hate. <laughs> and then I added hate when I, I just we just did the Aguilar um, expectations thing, and he really had a, a year you need to flush the toilet on last year in terms of just just trying to forget it. Three years ago with Oakland, he was pretty damn good, uh, over ten yards per target, which is very rare. It's only happened. I think five times now in Ravens history with Bateman last year being, it depends on where you set the minimum targets, but with Bateman being the, the, the last of them. So it's, he is a legitimate deep threat potentially, but he's also near the bottom in a lot of important metrics, including passer rating throwing to him last year. And, you know, is, is it all Mac Jones? I'm sure it was some Mac Jones. I'm sure it was some probably scheme that just wasn't perfect for him. Probably try to, fit him into some role where the Patriots just didn't have the perfect receiver to, to fill that role. But um, on the other hand, uh, it was not a very good season. And, and and now, you know, he's a 30 year old guy roughly who you have to look back three years to the last time he was really good. And that always concerns me. Yeah, those are fair points. I think it's interesting. He played well at the beginning of the season. I think it was the first quarter of the season, but then I don't know if that, that offense, they didn't even really have, a system uh, or Patricia was calling the plays. It's just so bizarre. It's almost like, uh, did they even know to your point? Like, did they even know how the pieces should work together? But anyway, yeah, I think he's, he's definitely on the downside of anything that he's been, which isn't a whole lot, but I love him here in this role. I I really do. And I think he does bring a slot component to the offense uh, that the other guys do but his is that he's purely been slot at times in his in his um, career, so that's pretty cool. They can work with that, and I think I think they'll do a good job with him. Here's my question for you: If they need him to be the X early in the season, can he do that with Beckham maintaining probably a slot role? Um, <laughs> I think they can do it game to game, potentially like flip those roles, but I don't think they can they can lean on that a hundred percent every single game, but I don't think that that's going to happen anyway. I would imagine Monken being, and again, everything that you've, we've heard about him and being, it's so good with personnel groupings. I, I think he's used a lot of variations of three receivers and things like that. Right. So I think that I would imagine they'll flip the roles more. I don't think you could rely on it, but yeah, game, Game specific situations, yeah, I can I can get with that. All right, well, great. Let's move on and talk about Trayvon Mullen. Uh, kind of an interesting pickup. Anyway, his fifth season now. He turns twenty six in September, so he's still pretty young. Uh, and obviously, he's a cousin of Lamar. Uh, we don't know how much that played into the signing. I did not know this until recently, but his contract is effectively fully guaranteed. There's a small pro rata per game bonus that's like one hundred and fifty two five. But effectively, his contract is fully guaranteed. Now that has implications, yeah, because that means the Ravens are almost certainly going to keep him. And I know there are people out there who who hear, well, but Ken, what about sunk cost? Because you always talk about that. It's true, but when you have to fill out a fifty-three man roster, that one point oh eight million has to be then replaced by somebody else. So it's not just an it's not an easy uh, choice to get rid of that one point oh eight when you're so tight. Um, in in terms of total cap dollars and total cap health, frankly, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's a pretty significant chunk of money, if anything. Mm-hmm. I I agree. What and then what level of player are you getting to replace him? Yeah. 
at that cost. So no, I I, I think that's pretty interesting. I, I didn't realize it was to that extent that they had mm -hmm. that much invested in him. Yeah, so played 2022 for Las Vegas and Dallas. Only played 160 snaps. Uh, there's not a it's it's a small sample size, but 137.3 passer rating against him was last year. So uh, what he did play was not good. Um, he did, you know, he's kind of a prototype size corner. He ran 446 when he came out of Cincinnati, 6'1 and a half, 199 at that point. That was those were his combine measurements. He listed 6'2, 200 today. Um, he's drafted number 40 overall in, mm -hmm. in one of the early Mayock drafts. I think that might have been the first, I think that might have been the first Mayock draft where they had the three first round picks that include Cleveland Farrell and a couple other guys. Right. And, and, yeah. uh, yeah, Damon Arnett, maybe it was that year as well. Yeah, those guys, all, all of them flamed out. Yeah, I think. Or, or was Josh Jacobs? Was he a first? Josh player? Jacobs. Yeah, he's, he's first the player. only one that's mm -hmm. produced right and played well. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a good draft for Mayock, and and it was. A, a, I keep going back to this Feral pick. It's not our organization. Why should we even keep, care? But he said he tried. He couldn't trade the number four pick. And my my response to that is he didn't try hard enough. You know, if Feral's yeah. the number fifteen player overall. There's a taker out there. <laughs> I think uh, the Ravens, I can't remember exactly which pick they had that year, but I liked Farrell for them at that pick. Let's just say that. And they it were in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I thought he was going to go. That's how shocking that, that was. It was yeah. perplexing. But yeah, uh, that was a disaster of a draft. That's probably up there. It's got to be up there in recent history in terms of just total, total hit, uh, swing and miss. They, you know, you you really do tend to get fired if you have that many consensus busting pit picks, the way Mayock did in his early tenure with the Raiders, with David Arnett by being another obvious one. But um, Bill Belichick, you know, took a Strange. It's not Curtis Strange. What's the guy's name? The the, the center. The uh, um, Cole Strange. Cole Strange. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, line. Yep. So Cole, Cole Strange um, was a was an oddball pick for the for the uh for new england but bill belichick has so much you know coaching and front office currency in the bank he said no risk of oh, getting yeah. fired for it it's like it's 100%. like him going for a fourth and two when it way back when he did it was the right play people didn't know it yet in football at, at the time that it was that was a you know a really solid choice but uh you know he had he has enough currency in the back that you can say you know what Sometimes I'm just right, and all of you are wrong. <laughs> and You're right. Yeah, no, that, that makes it even more interesting. And they, I think they really emphasized um, guys that tested well, right? I think that those, all those players had the same per, per, uh, profile. They tested very well. I can't remember what Mullen did, but well, physically – yeah. For starters, he's 446, 6'2", and, and 200 a corner right there. Yeah. You, you couldn't want anything more. In right, terms of guys in speed. So. <laughs> exactly, he's a prototype uh, physically, right? So it doesn't even matter at that point. Yeah, his arm length of thirty-one inches doesn't really match his aircraft carrier form, form, frame. Some players are are a little bit out of proportion like that, and you don't really notice too much. And then other players go slightly in the other direction. Daryl Worley has very long arms and and is uh, not much taller than Mullen. I think he might be six-two and a little bit. But uh, but he, he also was a lot slower. He was at 464 in terms of speed. So, um, yeah, I, I, Trevin Mullen, I, I, they obviously see something they like. They probably see something they can clean up. And when the Ravens do that on the offensive line, I always say, all right, let's see what they can do. John Simpson, I'm I'm interested to see if you can clean up his penalties. Sure. I, I, I want to know why they can't fix Ben Cleveland, given, <laughs> you know, he's already been in-house and he's enormous. 
Um, you know, what's, what's, what's holding you back from fixing him. Uh, but, but I do think that generally speaking, when they go outside the organization, Sam Mustafer might be a guy who, who is serviceable for the mm-hmm. Ravens when he was not at all serviceable with the bears. Yeah, that's a good, no, for, for sure. And it's interesting you bring that up because I was thinking about that before I joined you, there is a history of, of corner as well. They like mm-hmm. this type of physical, uh, makeup. You look at the guy that comes to mind immediately is the Kerry Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, although that's like an easy one to cherry pick because he was a, he was the one that succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always worked out that way. But even Rocky Sin, there's some similar aspects to him and his game and his profile to Mullen. You look at uh, Blue, who they drafted. So there's mm-hmm. a there is a I would say a history here. But to your point, going a step further, a corner, whether it's Corey Graham or Corey Ivy or some of these guys that they brought in, and they feel confident that they can fit in their scheme and they can get the most out of them. That is kind of akin to Belichick, right? Like I'm going to just really accentuate this guy's strengths. And I, I don't know what happened with Mullen uh, quite candidly, like in terms of um, from a coaching and technique perspective, like was he just a fish out of water the way that he was used? And maybe we'll get into some of that, right? With other yeah. the other clubs, but ultimately I do trust their, uh, instinct when it comes to saying this type of guy is going to succeed. We're going to have him play X amount of snaps, and I, 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 that was one of the things that caught my attention when when they did uh, acquire him. I thought this is a good reclamation project because he fits the profile. They know what they're doing here, and they've done a pretty good. Job. They have pretty good success. Like, I wouldn't say it's. I mean, for the NFL, I think they got to be uh, one of the better teams in terms of this, right? Um, one thing I'd, I'd, I'd actually also bro- bring up back to coaching is Denard Wilson, like one of the best secondary coaches in the NFL. They stole him from Philly. And I think personally, I don't have any insight. I don't have any inside knowledge on this. I just look at their approach at corner. And I think part of it could be, we'll coach some of these guys up. We're confident in our coaching and we have a great tandem at safety. So maybe that kind of plays into taking some chances at corner. It's like, I want to, I want to come back to that in just a second, because Wilson is not one of the guys who just obviously is that guy, but but it may just be my lack of knowledge in terms of position coaches that is, is showing up here. But the Ravens certainly have a bunch of guys who are just a bunch of guys on that third-plus outside corner. They, they've got size, but they've got Daryl Worley, who they had, what, 18 transactions for last year. So they obviously like him to try and keep him around, and they obviously have an understanding with him about you know where he fits within their system, that he probably has a job at least this year. Stevens, they've, they've said they're moving him back to safety, but I think if need arises, he'll move back to corner again, which probably will not help his development. But he was playing reasonably good at cornerback at the reasonably well at the end of last year. And all yeah, of his grabbiness and penalties were, were really earlier in the year. They, you know, I like when DaCosta comes out and is honest about the growth of a player. Like I, he hadn't really said a whole lot about Patrick Queen. Other than, you know, we expect Patrick Lee to grow up and be one of the best linebackers. Well, you know, last year he was finally able to say we finally saw, you know, some of what we hoped Patrick Queen would be. And I think he said a little bit of that in, in a postseason conference about Stevens. Uh, Kelly is a guy, you know, honestly, he made me shake my head. He wasn't in my top 18 corners. Uh, there were some guys still on the board in the fifth round uh, who were. And it was surprising to me that they took him, but they obviously like something about his game. Mm-hmm. Game at his his senior season was terrible. His career numbers are not much better. 
in terms of of what he did. Very high yards per target in particular. And I always say that we, we need to avoid evaluator arrogance in terms of trying to see what you think you see on the limited number of plays that you get a chance to watch. You know, so maybe you watch two to four complete games of a player when you're typically putting together an estimate. And if you're good, you you spread those out by PFF and, and say, let me look at his good games and his bad games as they scored it. And I'll try and see, you know, what were some of the problems and what were some of the good things that that, that happened during those games. But even if you're if you're if we're really attempting to be balanced, you, you probably end up saying, I see these things in this limited number of plays. Maybe you convince yourself 37.5% of the way through the process that you're seeing this thing. And then boy, you're every additional time you see it, you're trying to stack that up in the pile of, yeah, I saw that. Um, I, I, I think that if you ignore the statistics and in particular yards per target numbers and quarterback passer rating against cornerbacks, you really are much more likely to fall into that trap. And so that would be the, the fear I'd have. And Kelly, unfortunately, just didn't play very well in college. There could have been reasons for it just did not play very well. Yeah, he's definitely a – and I agree. I was surprised at, at the pick as well um, when you unpack some of his um, physical qualities. Again, it gets back to some of the things they like and they have have favored at that position. And, and so I thought that was what stood out most for me is that, okay, well, there's a certain profile that he matches up with, and I think that's what they leaned into. But the results weren't the results were what they were. So maybe they just fully believe that he comes here and they can get something out of him or from a developmental perspective. And, and that's fair. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting group. There's no, uh, nobody that you feel very confident in that's going to be a, a solid, like you trust starting cornerback and just lock that side down. Um, I feel that there will be a lot of rotation and matchup play involved. And that's where, Mullen, if he if he um, can show up and he can play to his potential, uh, I think he's got a role as much as anybody else, right? I think that it's it's a great thing. And Worley brought up and all these guys up and down. Uh, I think JD is like mm-hmm. if he can just stay healthy, <laughs> I think he has a, a I think he has ability physically. Again, we're mm-hmm. talking about just that's it. Like we don't have anything to go off of other than that. But yeah. I, I don't, again, I don't know all that much about Wilson, but I'll say this. If he can get good results out of those four guys, Worley, Stevens, Kelly, JAD, you can you toss in Pepe in there in the slot because it looks like he might win the role. If he can get right. good results out of those guys, he's worth his weight in gold. And what I'll say about, about generally position coaches is right now, the Ravens are entering a very cap-constrained environment for the next – However long Lamar Jackson is here, they're always going to be short on cap and every player decision is going to have to be put under the microscope in terms of can we really um, afford this player and how does it affect the cornerstone players we have in terms of keeping them as well. So it's going to be such so much tremendous financial pressure on the cap dollars that the one place where the Ravens can get ahead if they want to spend a little bit is on position coaches. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they've always had good coordinators. I, I you know, I wouldn't you know, be fearful that they all of a sudden would fall short there. We have, you know, they've, I think they have had a long history of not having the right guys in the wide receiver coaching space. Yeah, I agree. That's the the biggest shortcoming. And they then went and got Martin and Williams and we talked about them earlier. And I think they're both terrific. And I think 
Uh, we'll find out a little bit more on their influence. Some of it's not been their fault, really. So, yeah, but defensively, um, just them bringing in Smith and bringing in Wilson, it seemed as though they're putting more emphasis on the coaching side uh, to to and I don't know if I, I think what you bring up is a, a really intriguing angle, right? Like, can we sh- when, can we um, come up with a differentiator from that perspective? Mm-hmm. Like, we have OA and we have a Jabo as an example. We drafted these guys with premium picks. They need to they need to come through. We're not going to give up on it, and we're going to give them all of the resourcing from a coaching perspective as yeah. well. And it's and, and the receiver position, you could argue, is the same thing. They drafted the receivers, and they said we need the coaching now to develop these receivers. So it would – and I like – again, Wilson, I, I only am going off of the things that I've read and just his, his, his uh, background with the Eagles and everything is is terrific on paper. So, But he does have um, – unlike the other position of groups like Ajabo and Owe, those guys have talent. We know that. These corners, it, a lot of them are definite like grab bag guys. So right. If he does get something out of them, uh, I think that would be a hell of a job. Yeah, development and rehabilitation guys. Both all of these are are uh, really Worley. You know, obviously he has a tremendous amount of NFL experience at this point. He's uh, he, and he's still I think twenty eight years old this year, but he's he's you know started I think fifty five NFL games. So it's not like he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's he's just mm-hmm. it hasn't really worked out uh, uh, anywhere on a uh, for a long term basis. Well, the job he did on Chase, though, wow. Yeah. I mean, if, if you were to just capture and bottle up those games, especially the yeah. finale, season finale, I think it was, mm-hmm. really good. But all three games against Cincinnati, I thought their ability to force Burrow to the outside, play after play after play after play, was really impressive. That that they, you know, they whatever was constantly beating them in the 525-yard game, uh, a lot of that had gone away, and the, and the, the Bengals had to settle, and they, they game planned with a lot of short outside passes, which has not typically worked against the Ravens in their history. That's usually a, a way the Ravens get you. Some teams, you know, can be overly aggressive in the you know with, between the tackles, but uh, it's not really the Ravens' way. They've been pretty good with that. So I thought that that uh, you know that was well done by the by the uh, defensive coordinator and by the by the fact that. Um, you know, Burrow really had to take what he what he's given, even though obviously mm-hmm. they they won two of those three games this last year. Yeah, they did, and it, but they're they're a they're more of a, a haymaker, home run type team, right? And that's what mm-hmm. they thrive off of. And he's got the guys that can go get the football. But I, I love the Ravens' physicality against the Bengals. Like they just didn't. And Worley, I mean, to all that being back, getting back, and I know we're we're talking about Mullen, but. Even if you could just show up, and maybe this is something for Mullen as a blueprint, right? If you can just show up and hit and get in these guys' face and not be afraid of them, that will go a long way, especially in the AFC North, especially with this 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 division, which is a beat beat you know beat you up division. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else do you need to say about him? Anything? Uh, I did have one other thing, unfortunately. Um, one of the things about Mullen that's been very bad his whole career is, you know, some of the peripheral statistics, 17.3% missed tackle rate. This isn't really peripheral, but 4.7 yak per reception allowed eight and four in TDs is not terrible. Uh, you know, if you, if you think about a two to one relationship between touchdowns, and interceptions, that's probably typical across the whole league uh, these days. And a 94.3 opposition passer rate is a little high, but not terribly high. 
the 23 penalties in 1997 career snaps is is on the high side yeah. and so it's it's you know obviously there's a there's a great deal of things that are not quite at an adequate level for coach wilson to get right mm-hmm. in on and try and try and fix anything else to say before we move on to good and great yeah sure the to, to that point though i think what it, it to me it just strikes me as like he's 25 years old and he came off of it's almost like a transfer from college who had four years and it was a complete disaster mm-hmm. and now he's coming to kentucky for four so not that the ravens are kentucky i'm just saying that and I, but I think in house they believe this is right? this is a basketball analogy, right? Not a football analogy. <laughs> it's not. Okay. A, yeah, it's a bad. It's a bad basketball analogy because okay. four, normally you don't transfer after four years. It's just the idea, though. That I think maybe they're looking at the first. I think it's been four years, right, or three years. Sorry, in his like 2019, 20. Yeah, this so, is his fifth season. Right. So getting into the fifth season, where he's been, um, they're just gonna chalk it up to maybe he needs to to get a change of scenery. We have a good system. We have some good coaching, um, and and I think that that could play a part. And the fact, to your point about Wilson, right? Like, what does he have to work with? Can he can he clean these mm-hmm. things up? I don't think he's ever going to get to that, you know, whatever his promise was as a second round pick. It, but can he get to a functional level? We'll talk more about the predictions. But yeah, I think that's that's the that's the goal, maybe. Um, right. But yeah, let's let's get into it. Very good. They, you know, they made a bigger commitment to him than they did to any of the other guys at the at, at the bottom. In in a sense, they've still got draft capital on Kelly and JD. But go ahead. A good season for you. What does it look like? Good season is he. He's on the team the whole season. Um, he's part of the. He's a. He's a. He's a part of the depth. Um, you know, I, I think to your point, there could be some toggling between second, third corner. I mean, you would think Rocky Sinch should be the second corner. I just can't rely on that, like as far as from an injury perspective and things like that. But if he's like at least fourth, right, or something to that extent, like he's fourth or fifth with Team Worley, and he is a reliable guy, he will be asked to jump in at times, maybe start a couple games. Uh, but he's a fixture in their depth chart. He's he's a reliable backup. Um, I think that's pretty good, and I think if he can. Um, you know, he can contribute on special teams as well. I mean, we're not getting too deep into the weeds on that. But, yeah, I think I would imagine he has to be a pretty good player on special teams to some extent. And, um, yeah, I think that would be a pretty good season for him, uh, all things considered. I think that's, I think that's very reasonable. And I, I was similar, so I'll just read mine directly here. Emerges from a crowded set of cornerback hopefuls as the fourth or fifth outside cornerback behind Yasin Humphrey and another who may be acquired. Uh, there's there's Worley, Stevens, Kelly, J.D. that are going to be competitors for that fourth and fifth spot, I think. Makes the team initially, if he doesn't, you know, obviously the salary is lost. He's, he, there's no reason for him to stick around. There's no reason for a handshake deal because he's already earned his money. So he, the Ravens are, are, are have to pick him up again at market value effectively um, if, they, if they let him walk or if they, if they cut him. Uh, at the end of camp, uh, I think you know he probably will see some snaps as a fourth or fifth player because injuries occur. It's very natural. You said all this that that you know mm-hmm. maybe he starts two games. Maybe that I think that might be a reasonable number. Um, but that his coverage is near the league average, whatever snaps he gets, and that actually is a pretty big step up. But it is, a, I guess, a, a you know. If he beats those other guys out, we're already getting a little Bayesian with ourselves in terms of once he's beaten all those guys out, he probably has improved his game. 
at least to the point yeah. where where mm-hmm. you could expect his actual performance on the field to to be better. And so uh, uh, I, I'm not saying at the league average. I'm not saying above the league average. Certainly, as a, is a good season. I'm saying he doesn't kill the Ravens by being a replacement or below replacement corner when he's in there. Yeah, I agree, uh, and that's the mark of what we're expect. I mean, again, for 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 what they might expect, can we plug them in for a couple of games confidently? But all of the factors that we talked about, like between pass rush, uh, safety help, they're going to control some of the environment for him, or like help him. You would think, and and some of that could play into it for him to play be- to play to that level. And I, I think that is, I think that's a fair point. I think it's a fair assessment, like that they can be confident in him as a reliable replacement options. Turn it up a notch. What's a great season for him? Great season. He is, he honestly grabs the starting job. He is a number two corner. He's a fixture in the lineup. I think Kerry Williams is that is the, is the model to be honest. Like, I don't expect that from Trayvon Mullen. I, I want people to know before I get tomatoes thrown at me and I, and I get that, you know, I'm comparing him to Kerry Williams. I'm just saying, yeah, there's, there's an opportunity here. I don't think Rocky Sin is, I like Rocky Sin a lot. I, I love, I, I really liked the signing. I just mm-hmm. don't think he is a set it and forget it guy. I think there is an avenue to be a starter. I think he can turn his career around Trayvon Mullen. Those things are still available if he's a starting corner um he is a, he is somebody they can rely on in man coverage situations maybe um depending on scheme depending on what they need to do but he can he can hold up downfield he can use his, his physical tools to bother some of these bully receivers that they might face J- jamar chase for example is mm-hmm. a guy they're going to face twice a year deontay johnson who's very i think very good uh, and is, is able to get to those contested balls and you might not think about it, right? But like Pickens is a big dude that is going to be physical. So again, can he do that? Can they confidently rely on him um, in those in those um, circumstances? Um, and I, I think beyond that, I don't know if he's much of a playmaker. I would just be happy with some some good coverage and play more physical than what you said. If he's giving up yards after catch or you know, he's, tackles. Yeah, is he missing tackles? That can't happen here. Like he's gonna have to clean that. To me, is a, is an area where if they can't clean up everything else, at least give me a guy that's physical, will will hit, and get get his stick his nose in there. That's what Dar- that's what Worley did. Um, for all the stuff we've talked about, like he did that, and so I want to see that for Mullen. All right, that's a, that's a very high bar you've you've set for Mullen there, and I I was going to make a joke about you, which I, it means I kind of am making a joke that you can't see the screen that I'm seeing of Deb, but his face just turned purple and has a 95 on it, because I think that's about the percentile result you've just described in him taking the number two role. It's not impossible. It it isn't impossible, and I think some of yours is born of a distrust of Rakia Sin, which I think is probably justified, and I think it's also part of the reason why the Ravens are going to go get another outside corner before they go. But maybe another interesting thing to talk about before I dump into my grade here would be, can the Ravens afford to play defense with three outside corners with relatively similar styles? They're not all at the same level. Humphrey's a much better player, obviously, but you know, he uses baseball bat arms. He's not a find the ball in the air guy as much. Uh, When he does find the ball in the air, it's usually coming off his man to, 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 to make a play on the ball. A little bit like Jimmy Smith 
in some respects like that, but definitely handles the sideline well. I think of Yasin as being that guy. I think I probably think of Mullen as being that sort of a physical player, though Mullen's had a few interceptions career, three or four. Um, mm-hmm. But being a being a guy who uh, uh, you know is more physical than he is a ball skills guy, I just I, I, we've been so spoiled by having Marcus Peters here and how yeah. well you know he worked with with the with the fact that the Ravens were setting up pressures with blitzes with stunts and you know getting in the quarterback's face, forcing a, a throw, and then he knew just what to do with that in terms of yeah. um, jumping around or or doing whatever he had to do from the back end to see what was happening. That's exactly it. His football IQ, his his intelligence, his ability to manip to understand circumstance and what he can and can't do based on that, right? Like the backside coverage or the the blitz they might have dialed up and how much time he has to jump in. And it's just a n- another level altogether. Um, and I don't know if these guys have they're not gonna have Marcus Peters' IQ, but even a fraction of that. And can they kind of mix and match in a way where they can compensate for some of it? Um, I think that's a fair, fair question and a fair call out. And we'll see because part of it is they also have, I think they're, and I get back to this point, I do think that they are looking at the safeties as Mm -hmm. well as part of this. Yeah. You know, maybe with Peters, like you could say if we don't have, we have marginal safety play. He can still be relied on to just handle himself on one side of the field. But mm-hmm. you flip it the other way, and you have more marginal cornerback talent. Can these safeties cover up for that? I think it's an interesting dynamic. I could see, I could see the the, the I could see the arguments for that approach, especially from a cap and resource perspective. That it's that it's cheaper to get a safety than it is to get a good corner, and so you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they've spent a ton so. of draft capital and a ton of of actual cap at the safety position, but they have a remarkable set of safeties at this point in terms of. I I really like Geno Stone. I think he can he can yeah. help the team. And and one of the questions about that is, do you, do you make the decision on whether or not Geno Stone is on the field based on how much Kyle Hamilton can still help you in the slot? And I think that's where I have to. I have to take a step back and say, Geno Stone's a fine injury replacement, but the most important um, decision here is, is where's Kyle Hamilton going to play and have the highest chance to be a superstar just because the, the, the multiplier on that is so high relative to uh, – the payoff could be so high in, in terms of getting him to the right spot. Oh, I agree. Uh, yeah, he's an interesting player because he's so good at everything for the most part, so then you have to kind of figure out, like, where is he going to really excel and take off? It's not an easy decision. So I, I'm curious to see what they ultimately decide or I'm sure they don't have to make it. And Harbaugh always says this, right? It's not a one or it's it's not a scenario where you just say he's a strong safety. I mean, mm-hmm. they have and they will play different spots and, and uh, it's a little bit more of a hybrid role. And that's what the CNFL has turned into. That being said, where does he, he end up fitting more often than not is one of the questions. That and the Zay Flowers question, where does Zay Flowers fit? <laughs> like where is he going to be at? Uh, so I love I love that I love the, the question that's open ended. Let me go back and give a great season for Trayvon Mullen because I don't want to. The guy needs to get his due here. I say makes the team and thrives in the Ravens' defensive structure and with better players around him and better coaching. 
uh, plays between 200 and 500 snaps. That is not going to be a great season for the Baltimore Ravens, by the way, if Trayvon Mullen plays between 200 and 500 snaps, unless you're exactly right, and he beats out Rocky Sin. For, and for he's good. Job. And he's good. He's bad. <laughs> They're so, all bad. <laughs> play, plays between 200 and 500 snaps in rotation, and as the need arises due to injury, has his best coverage season to date with an opposing passer rating in the 80s and participation in two to three turnovers. Missed tackle rate declines to less than 15%. That's a lot of ask. Some of it, if he plays a, you know, a fair amount, his missed tackle rate better go down. To, to that oh yeah that's I, still pretty high absolutely <laughs> so, what we're yeah. what we're asking i think you're yeah you're lower on him which is understandable i'm not saying i'm higher on him it's just more of a pathway thing that we mm-hmm. talked about i think there's a path and the talent is there so it's a total uh turnaround of his career and what he's done to this to this point which is very optimistic but has not it's not to say it hasn't happened in this league we've seen there has there are use cases where guys go to the right place and they turn things around and they realize their potential. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, last year, Roquan Smith was a great example. Honestly, he was a, he was a pretty good player for the bears. Always a great tackler piled up Mm -hmm. tons of tacklers, but tons of tackles, but honestly hadn't been a great coverage player. He came to the Ravens. He was much better. Hadn't been, uh, you know, a, a game changing pass rusher came to the Ravens was much better. He just came into a better coached, more mm-hmm. secure scheme around him with better players, yep. and that can make all the difference. I'm a big, big believer in that. Can uh, we? A lot of the, the the debates that I get into, they're not debates necessarily, but just conversations more so. Mm-hmm. If it does come up on Twitter, it will be uh, around how good or bad a player really is based on the environment and what they could do if they're in the right environment, as opposed to the alternative. What you said, he's. You look at the Raiders. They've just been abysmal, right, in a lot of ways. So it's just hard to really, even with Rocky Sin, right? Like he was good on the Raiders um, for that stretch. So what could he do with a team that is a, is a lot more uh, like functional and like what are the pieces that that are surrounding him? And what could he could he? As much as I said about Rocky Sin, he could even take his game to another level, if possible. Um, how yeah. do you how do you then use that to turn it around to to ask the question of can we really depend on this receiver who's gotten to work with the Chargers offense say and Justin Herbert for these years um, and, and I, I try to think of a really good quarterback Joe Burrow doesn't quite have the arm strength that I would you know put him in that class but a guy who who, who plays in a great system with other great receivers and a very good quarterback do you ding that guy appropriately in the same way? Saying we're pulling him out of, oh yeah, you know the adult pool, and we're putting yeah. him into this, you know, mud puddle. I've become better at that than uh, I would say a couple of years ago, where I'm looking at everything as positive. Now, yeah, I think you do have to also go the other way and say, can this guy be the go-to receiver? Um, Juju Smith Schuster is like, the, I think, the primary example of that, right? Like, yep. Um, has he been? Has he been good? Yeah, he's been pretty good. Has he been what he was with the Steelers with Brown? No, right? Like, and and it proved itself out uh, when he got what he got. I think he's done pretty well for himself from a contract position, and he's been paid very well. But um, he's just not that guy. And, mm-hmm. and for a stretch, people thought he could very well be that guy. So yeah, I do think that has to also be considered. And a lot of the things that we're talking about with Mullen, it could very well be up to him. Like, it could be because. You know, uh, maybe he was in the right situation and he was getting the coaching and he just didn't 
he's just he's just a guy that's not going to work out in this league, and we'll find out. Um, I don't want to make it sound as though that's not a possibility. There's a very good possibility of that like it's just, yeah. but yeah, you know the Ravens vet people before they come here, whether they're rookies and they have those interviews or or if they're signing somebody, they certainly talk to the player before they you know just make an offer offer sheet to the agent, and they're just a bunch of players out there who can still fool you by and know how to say all the right things. And the guy, if you're an Orioles fan, the guy who fits this mold exactly came to the Orioles 50 years ago in one of the worst trades they ever made. And that's Earl Williams, a guy who uh, a catcher who Earl Weaver constantly wrote about the book. He he devoted about eight pages in the book. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Fantastic book, by the way, management Mm -hmm. text. If you want to, you want to give that out at work, it's out of print, but you can still find it on eBay and places like that. But it is about eight pages on Earl Williams. That is just the most hilarious stuff you'll ever see in terms of a guy who is just, constantly talking about reforming himself and whatnot. And then he, the, you know, the next moment he's leaving the hotel, right. As he's coming in as, as Earl's coming in at like 1230, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and they got a day game the next day. So it's just, you know, see some of this stuff go on. So it, it uh, hopefully in, in the yeah. case of Mullen, he's, he's ready to play this. Year. Totally. Totally. We hope so. I mean, it could happen. They've got some good track record for that, but let's see. And he could easily also be what he, what he's been. Uh, but you don't lose anything. I think you said the financial investment, but I think in the grand scheme, there's a lot of upside. Yeah. But, so yeah. it's a good, it's, it, I think it's probably a good gamble as well. And, and uh, you know, if he ends up the fourth corner, I think they've, they've won on the gamble. So uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll look and see what happens there. Outstanding. Just so much fun talking football with you, Dev. So much very deep insight on these players. Really appreciate you coming on, taking the time with us. I know it gets more and more difficult as you are a relatively new father, right? Correct. Yeah, fourteen months. So I would say I still fall into the into the definition of that. But yeah, it's been a great ride, and and he's amazing. My son Krish and family life. But I do enjoy. I think what I enjoy about our conversations is free forum and just kind of like we can pivot in all these different directions. Mm-hmm. That's what I can do now. And structure wise, it's tough to, uh, to commit to things. But uh, when we do get together, I love the fact that we have this wide expansive conversation. So thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I look forward to, I look forward to talking to you again. Uh, I hope things during the season. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Dan, or even before you... we'll see it. Sure thing. Wait, tell, tell folks where they can find your work online. Sure. Uh, everybody that I think I interact with on a consistent level, it's still on Twitter the most, at DevPanchois, my, my Twitter uh, account and my handle, and I tweet uh, more often than I write these days. However, I would like to plug one of the articles that's near and dear to my heart I did on um, Chuck Smith, the Ravens. We talked mm-hmm. about coaching, right? The Ravens, new uh, outside linebackers coach, his influence potentially on a Jabo and OA, and I, I went into all three of them, looked back at last year in terms of what OA did and some of the things that I think Smith can help with given his pedigree. So check that out. I have it pinned on my profile. It's my last Russell Street Report article, which uh, I didn't mention at the top, but I also still write for Russell Street Report as well when uh, when I guess the, the, the inspiration comes to me, just like when, if Ken sends an invite out, <laughs> I'll jump on this pod mm-hmm. uh, from time to time. So um, that's where you can find me on Russell Street Report and, and or Twitter. Great follow on Twitter. Make sure you follow Dev. He's very, uh, uh, very active there. And uh, still following the Orioles at all? Or are you not really an Orioles fan? 
You know, uh, I'm such a disgrace as an Orioles. I am a fan. It's just uh, I've been really bad about baseball in general and in terms of like my attention going into it. But I I am rapidly excited to see what they're doing. Um, And I I love the way they built the team up this way and a lot of the philosophy through the draft and and just development-wise what they've done and, and, and it's great to see it for the town. I'm, I'm not there, but I'm sure it's electric. And I know you go to a lot of their ball games, and so I, I'm a big fan from afar, and I always will be an Orioles fan. So, um, but I have nothing to contribute on the subject. Ken. Okay, no, yeah, that's that, that's fine. I was just wondering if <laughs> if you were still watching. I, we yeah. Twitter is a is an interesting place, but there's always somebody who wants to trade Jackson Holiday for three months of Shohei Otani, and or actually two and a half months at this point, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, just I, I keep shaking my head at you know it's 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 the same currency is undervalued in both cases but draft picks for the Ravens every well we should just give a first and a third for this this guy and you know he he fix our wide receiver room kind of thing well there's nobody who's worth a first and a third of veteran players pretty much um, and 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 you know you want the thirtieth best wide receiver in the league for that kind of thing. Uh, it's the same problem with with the the Orioles now have a ton of prospects. Everybody thinks they if we don't take this chance, this chance to trade every one of them, or to trade most of them, or to trade at least some of them well, to get the talent to take yeah. them over the top. You it's know? all about the windows. But I think you and I agree on this. I think because we've talked about it before, there is so much luck slash yeah. one play, two plays. I know baseball is a seven game series, so Still. but the team. Yeah, so many of these teams that have come out of nowhere to win each year, right? Basketball may be a little bit more predictable, I think, in terms of just the NBA and like you mm-hmm. normally see like the top two or three seeds win, but no way in football, right? Like it's it's it, they they win, but the point being is that the playoff run is filled with plays that have nothing to do with your talent. Sometimes it, it just has to do with a few plays here or there, and I don't think you carve up your assets, your future uh, necessarily immediately just for that window because it's not really about that but yeah i i I, i'm with you for the most part i think um i'm glad to hear that Uh, as a season ticket holder i want level get me in the tournament get me lottery tickets every year on being in the postseason but don't ever mortgage my future and don't ever create you know forced rebuilds on the fly here because you think you really have a better chance to win this year, you're almost always overjudging. Yeah. And for, thankfully, right. the Ravens have not really done that. If you just look at, I mean, if you even just look at 2019, mm-hmm. I think what's lost in that season is that, uh, yeah, yeah, people thought they would. Oh. We're still good here. Uh, we might have lost Dev. Well, that's okay. We're going to say goodbye to Dev at this point. I'll just finish up here. Um, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, DMs are always open. If you have an idea for a show, I'd love to hear from you, and I'll get back to you very quickly. Uh, thanks again, Dev, for coming on. Uh, always a wonderful friend, and, and glad to see him again, get a chance to talk to him. You probably get a sense of just how much we enjoy talking football together from this episode, and I, I hope anyway that, that shines pretty clearly. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.